0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So after that thrilling game on Thursday night at Madison Square Garden, this one a blowout for Boston. They get their revenge. It's an ugly offensive performance by the Knicks. Really struggled on the offensive end. The Knicks, they got to get on the plane. They got to forget about this one and start getting ready for San Antonio because the Celtics were ready to roll in this game. Knicks had 16 points in the second quarter, 18 in the third, and 15 points in the fourth as Jalen Brown gets his first career triple-double.
1: And one of those nights for the Knicks. Okay. Well, that was, (laughs) that was fun. it, it, uh, I say facetiously. Uh, Knicks lose by a bajillion points in Boston. Um, they played like they were the worst team tonight. They are the worst team, at least uh, missing Kemba Walker, Derek Rose, and Evan Fournier. Uh, they certainly are. Um, and most people thought even with their full contingent of players before the season that they would have been the worst team um, between them and the Celtics. Um, certainly played like it tonight. I'm not going to go crazy about this one. Um, I did not expect the Knicks to win this game. Um, I think, I thought they would give a better effort. I certainly was more encouraged uh, than I otherwise would have been after a first quarter in which I thought they played uh, very well. I thought it was actually probably one of their best first quarters of the season. Even at halftime, I know they scored only 16 points in the second quarter. I I thought the offense got a little stagnant in the second quarter, but I thought they still played pretty well for the most part at halftime. Uh, They were down, I think, four. Um, And then the second half just completely fell apart. Um, Out-talented, out-executed. Needless to say, they were out-executed in in just about every way, shape, or form. Boston's best players played well. New York's, um, well – Allegedly, New York's best players. We'll talk about who New York's actual best player or players were tonight. Um, But, yeah, the guys who were allegedly New York's best players um, did not play well. And um, Boston unnerved the Knicks with their defensive intensity. Uh, We haven't – I don't think we've seen that happen too many times under Thibodeau where a team got into them defensively and completely threw off anything that they were trying to do. Um, it happened tonight. I think the fact that the Knicks were missing their top, certainly their top two players and, and arguably their top three players in terms of guys who can create a, uh, an advantage off the dribble in obviously Kemba Walker and Derrick Rose. His absence is being felt more and more by the day. Um, and also Evan Fournier. You know, I, I was as excited as anyone to see quickly play with that first unit. Again, very happy with the results early on. Not so happy as the uh, game went on. Um, but, you know, and Emmanuel quickly, let's give him his his praise because he had a phenomenal game. 18 points on 11 shots, three of five from deep, had four assists. I thought his defense was really good. I think he was probably the best defender the Knicks had on the night. He was easily the best player the Knicks had on the night. I don't even think it's close. Um, you know, and yet he's the I think the reason that Tibbs hesitates to make him a starting point guard is because he's not a guy that creates advantages off the dribble. Um and he's even a to, a guy that at, at times has creating difficulty creating advantages. Um, you know, if you give him a pickup high. Uh it didn't matter for him tonight. He still got into his offense, he still made the right play every time. But if you look at, you know, how they were going about their business throughout this game, Tibbs still felt that the better chance of getting of generating solid offense was through Julius Randall um and for a while it worked Julius I, I know he started off terribly shooting he ended up shooting terribly for the game. I thought he played a really bad game he was not good tonight I don't know if I'm allowed to say am I allowed to say that Julius Randall had a terrible game uh is that breaking some kind of a a code um you, you know am I, should i should I just not say anything i guess um i don't wanna I don't want uh upset him. Um, you know, or anything of that nature. Uh, God forbid anybody points out um, poor play, let alone poor effort, which for the most part, I did not think there was poor effort tonight. I think in the second half, he got, he he bordered a little bit on kind of, I'm over this one. Um, Anyway, so I want to make sure, you know, God forbid uh, I say anything too rough. Um, In any case, uh, yeah, Tibbs kept, Kept running the ball through Julius. Julius was missing shots. And uh, when he was passing out of those, those doubles or close to doubles um, in the second half, it wasn't leading to anything good. I thought R.J. Barrett was bad. Um, I know he hit four of nine from deep. Um, he was seven of 21 overall. I thought a lot of bad looks, a lot of bad execution. This is the second straight bad game for him in a row, all due respect to uh, the miracle shot that he had at the end of the last game. Um, more inconsistency from Barrett. Uh come come find me when Barrett has I don't know, two weeks in a row where he plays well. Um, because he wasn't good on defense tonight either. Uh Mitch made an impact late, but I thought Mitch was badly outplayed by Robert Williams. Uh Quentin Grimes had some nice things, you know. Um and Obi. You know, Obi again, you're gonna hear a lot of people, I'm sure there's gonna be people tonight that are critical of the fact that he played only nine minutes. I didn't think Obi was particularly great. Um people are calling for, you know, again, more pick and rolls for Obi. There's I'm sure going to be lots of theories as to why it's it's we don't see that. I think the simplest one is that um he plays on the court with a traditional center because he can't protect the rim. And because he plays on the court with a traditional center, um you run pick and rolls for him, you're going to run into someone already down in the paint waiting for him down there. Um I really think Stretch five would do wonders for this team, both for Randall and for Obi. They don't have one. It is what it is. Um, you know, if you got a team that's on its p's and q's on defense, uh, Obi's going to have a tougher time making an impact. It's just that's the reality of the situation. Especially if he's not playing with a guy like Derrick Rose and he's not playing with a guy like Kemba Walker. Who, by the way, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of thoughts and suggestions about what the starting lineup should be moving forward. I don't know. I would give real consideration from here on in to, uh, to bring in Kemba, and, and this isn't going to happen. I'm just saying my own opinion that nobody cares about. I would give real consideration to bring in Kemba and Fournier off the bench, and having this be the starting lineup, staggering Kemba and Fournier, hit their minutes for the most part with Julius and RJ's minutes, play qu- quickly with Julius and RJ, and just have it, have it be a quick hook. Um, and then you mix and match as the game goes on, um, because I'd love to see Obi Toppin get more minutes with with Kemba Walker. Because again, if he doesn't have a point guard who can get him the ball in in creative ways, he's just you're wasting him, and they're wasting him right now. Um, you know, aside from the fact that they may not be they may not be utilizing his his uh, minutes in the best way possible, so they're wasting him on on multiple fronts. Um, I think that's it. Like I said, I really don't have much to say about this one. Boston needed this win which is why I did not think the Knicks were going to win this game. Would have liked to see them execute a lot better, but uh, alas. All right, let's get to the Super Chat. Robert McGinley, what's going on, Robert? Uh, biggest concern right now, for me right now, is we're in NBA purgatory. Yeah, this has been, I think, a kind of a consistent theme now for, I don't know, weeks, months. Uh, certainly over a month. Good enough for a play in spot, not good enough to make noise. Do we stress player development or accept being average? Franchise has to decide. I I think, look, I'll go back to this. I I watched, as I'm sure you did, Robert, terrible team after terrible team after terrible team. You know, they never develop players on bad teams. I look at quickly this year, you know, OB to a certain extent. I think we're, we're all pretty happy with OB's year as much as we may have qualms about how much they play him and how they use him um Grimes now uh I think the the best kind of development is when the the minutes that your players are getting matter and they know it matters and everybody knows it matters so to me there is an inherent value in continuing to try and chase wins um you know and play your young players who are ready to play uh and that's the thing is what, like, I guess I, I push back on a comment like that because, like, who are the young players that matter on this team? R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes would be the top five. All five of those guys have played minutes. I know Obi doesn't play enough for anybody. I'm sure Grimes doesn't play enough for anybody. I'm sure there's people out there who want Deuce to play a lot more minutes. You know, I get it. Um, at no, at, someone's always going to be disappointed. To me, I'm fine with the, what they have going on in terms of development. Um, in terms of the purgatory thing, it's the Knicks. You know, if you could be good, you have to be good um, because your best chance of getting from good to really good um, is is to win and show people around the league that you're a competent franchise and wait for a star to uh, want to come play for you. Um, and uh, nobody's wanted to come play here. I think there's a better chance that a star is going to want to come play for them. Um, when they're good or at least decent competitive than when they are not. Um, You know, so we'll see what happens because they're, they're too good to, I think they're too good to tank this year, but I, I don't know. Ask me in a week and we'll see what I say on that. Forgotten NYC. Yet another game this season where Julius lets his offensive struggles dictate his effort and all other aspects of the game. Yeah. I mean, again, I think in the second half for sure, I thought he, he came out and he played well in the first quarter. I thought his defense was good in the first quarter. Um, you know, may have dissipated there towards the second quarter, and then the second half, it got ugly. Again, I'm, I'm if you're waiting for me to defend Julius Randle, God knows you've come to the wrong place. He played a terrible game. Um, and, yeah, he played a terrible game. Um, thought he came out with a good mindset, good effort, got worse. And, like, you just, you got to be better. I don't know what else there is to say. You have to be better if you're Julius Randle. Make shots. Like, <laughs> you know, make shots, get to the rim more. If your jumper's not falling, get to the rim more. Um, I understand that's easier said than done, but you're the best player on the team. You played like shit. Team got their ass kicked. Not much more to say. Um, Lots of thumbs down in the chat. I love it. Michael Shane, main takeaway. IQ has to continue to start. I would start him. I would start him. I, I And I say that, and I'm going to say something that's going to be unpopular. I, I still don't think he's a point guard in the, in the traditional, modern sense of the league. You look around the league, you look at the starting point guards around the league, I would say half of them, if not 20 of them, are advantage creators. Guys who can just create an advantage out of nothing, or almost nothing. That's not quickly... He's, that's never going to be quickly, but he works around it, and he doesn't let it. He doesn't let it ever make him play poorly. Um, I thought he got a little tired there in the second quarter. He put up that long three, but like he never, he never lets what he isn't able to do um, take him out of his game. He understands his limitations, and I think he works with them really well. I think he's a I think he's a calming influence. I think he's an energy guy. I mean, it's just it's all good things. I just you know, I think as we've seen at times this year, quickly is best when he's playing alongside somebody who can be a true advantage creator, which is why his minutes with Derrick Rose when Derrick Rose was going great, those were the best minutes the team has played all year. Those are the best those are the best stretches of Nick basketball that we've seen all year. And when you put those two guys together, Rose and Quickly, and Quickly Rose is the number one, and Quickly is the number two, and then Obi gets to play off those guys. Then it's like that's heaven. That's basketball heaven. Doesn't get any better than that. Um, so yeah, I don't really care that he's not a traditional point guard in the sense. I think he could start at the point guard position. I think, you know, the question is, what is that going to look like this year? Because theoretically, it should work great if RJ Barrett and Julius Randle are playing up to the standards of what we think Julius Randle and RJ Barrett are supposed to be playing up to. Unfortunately, you could count the amount of times on on one hand, maybe two hands, for each of those players that those players have had what I would call good games this year. Um, we're 40 games through the season, it's, or excuse me, 78 games through the season. If if we're 78 games through the season, and between Randle and Barrett, between the two of them, they've played. I don't know, twenty good games, if that. Like, that's. I mean, if anything, the Knicks should be probably even worse than they are. They're only you know two games under five hundred. Um, but yeah, Quickly's been. Quickly's been the best player on the team. What do you, I don't know what else to say other than Derrick Rose who's hurt. Uh, Jessica, what's going on, Jessica? How are you? I liked IQ tonight, but he's been better for us off the bench, and more importantly, runs the bench more and more effectively. Yeah, I mean he is better. Off the bench, because off the bench, he's playing against uh, lesser players. It's easier for him. Um, I will say that, again, I, I do think he does need to play alongside somebody that is better than him. Um, now, he could get around that easier off the bench. Um, if he's playing against backups, he could be the quote-unquote best player on the floor, and he could look Okay. You know, as a starter, he's not going to be the guy or it's going to be tough for him to be the guy that 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 really leads an offense, I think um, right now. And who's to say he's not going to be able to get better at that. But. I think that is something from a, you know, the, from the to the previous comment, from a developmental perspective, again, whether Emmanuel quickly is a long time, long term point guard or not, I think the, the notion of giving him minutes as a starting point a nominal starting point guard. Like tonight, he was the nominal starting point guard. Was he actually the point guard? Not really. Julius Randle was the point guard. Um, I think there's value in that from a developmental perspective. You know, and oh, by the way, it could it could probably win you some games too. Uh, CT Pittman, what's going on, my man? How are you? Uh, always a pleasure. Just a bummer that sometimes it seems us as fans want it more than the actual players. Was really hoping to take the series tonight. Yeah. I'll say this. If they had won this game tonight or even honestly, if they had lost a close game, I think I would have taken this team seriously for the first time in months. Um, the way they came out tonight is like, okay, they're, you know, the same team that we figured they were. And and I, I even, I say that with trepidation because I don't think we're placing enough emphasis on the fact that going into this year, I know a lot of shit has happened this year going into this year if you would have said list the list of five best players on the Knicks, three of the five players you would have listed would have been Derek Rose, Kemba Walker, and Evan Fournier. And the other two would have been probably Julius Randall and RJ Barrett. So they were missing three really important key guys tonight. They did not overcome it. And they, but here's, you know what, here's what I have to say to that. I was looking, I was checking in last night on Raptors, uh, jazz, Right. Raptors jazz. Now the Raptors ended up winning that game by like 10 or 12 or 15 points, whatever it was, um, because they're playing as good a basketball as anybody in the league right now. Outside of maybe the outside of maybe the Grizzlies, Um, the jazz were without every single rotation player or maybe eight of the nine top rotation players. They they on their roster. The only guy they had was Eric Pascal. Eric Pascal was the top rotation guy that they had, the Jazz, uh, last night against Toronto. Or maybe it was two nights ago. I forget. It all runs together. Whatever. Whenever the Jazz played the Raptors. And I looked in on that game, and the Jazz had the lead in that game into the second half, playing with guys who are hardship guys, G League guys and whatnot. And if you look around the league this year and you see how teams perform when they're missing a lot of guys due to COVID or whatever else, and these teams like coming in with the mindset of like we're down, guys, like we're gonna we're gonna stay in it, like you know, it would have been nice for the Knicks to pull out that kind of effort tonight. They didn't do it. So I'm disappointed too, CT. Um, definitely a bummer. Uh for as much as, as logically we we may be able to uh you know excuse it. Um Matt uh from Australia, uh always a friend of the super chat. Thank you so much. Worried about Obi's confidence. That's that's possible going from 45 minutes to nine, the last three games, he's treated like a player who only plays to give Randall a rest rather than a player who is a positive asset to our team. Yeah, that's a very fair comment. And, and you know what? Like, I'm so excited for all of you guys to be able to read, uh, Chris Herring's new book, blood in the garden, uh, which I believe drops 10 days from now. Uh, I'm almost all the way through it. It what a read. Um, the thing that I'm realizing more and more and more, and I, I, other people realize this, you guys are smarter than me, but I, I don't think about this nearly enough. Is it, it sounds so silly to say out loud because it should be so obvious. These guys are, these guys are people. And reading this book and like hearing behind the scenes stuff, like guys are just so driven by emotion. And like, once you lose your confidence, it's like, you know, if you think a coach doesn't like you, any of these things, it could completely throw you off. Um, And like right now, like Obi, I don't want to believe that about Obi because he's always so positive. He always has a smile on his face, the whole thing. He always says the right things in post-game press conferences and practice press conferences. He's like, you want to think he's invulnerable to that. At the same time, he's, he's whatever he is, a 24 year old kid, Um, 23, 24, whatever, you know, if he was unnerved by this situation, I just hope that there's someone there, whether it's Kenny Payne or Johnny Bryant or, you know, fucking Leon Rose, whoever that is putting his arm around him and being like, listen, you are part of the future and um, important part of this franchise. he is or not. I hope they're telling him that. Um, because I still believe in Obi top and, and his potential and, and games like this where he has a muted impact. I don't put that on him. I, as much as I do, um, yeah, Andrew Claudio uh shout out to Andrew spending his Saturday night with us. Um it, that reminded me that Taj did seem to be doing that when they exited the game together in the in the fourth quarter there. Um but uh you know like yeah just because uh Obi can't create the advantages that Julius can and Obi isn't the player that Julius is you know doesn't mean that you can't You know, make it more of a point to like get him going, and I wish they would for his confidence. I I hope his confidence is fine. Pastor Claudio's OB Hive, always, always a good one. What's your grade for Tibbs this season? Um, I I don't know, a C, a C plus, Um, something like that. I think, I think the Knicks have probably played to where their talent dictates they should be. For as much as we, you know, rant and rave, like he can't create talent, he can't make players better. Um, you know, but at the same time, has he utilized everybody the right way this season? Has he played the guys in exactly the right alignments or set the rotation the way they sh- it should be? But you know, obviously, I'm, I'm always going to be more positive than not for Tibbs. I just I don't think this is Tibbs's fault like the like julius randall and rj barrett are having terrible seasons um evan fournier is having a bad season Kemba walker is having a uh a season where he hasn't been able to jive with the other key guys uh they've dealt with some injuries derrick rose injury hurts you can blame that on tibbs if you want you know i don't know what tibbs is supposed to do if guys are bad guys are bad uh, the, the notion that like playing OB top in or another five or 10 minutes a game or running two or three or four more OB, uh, pick and rolls a game is going to, what do you think? The Knicks are going to be like 26 and I don't know, 15 or 14. If they did that, come on, it's ridiculous. Um, Greg film stuff. Main takeaway was IQs development. Under two minutes left in the third, IQ flawlessly maneuvered through a pick, came out of it, found space at the free throw line, and drained the pull-up too. Love that play. Arguably his best play of the night. He needed to study Clarkson for a summer. Yeah, the the last thing for me and the reason why I'm so hesitant to anoint him like a full-stop starting point guard in the league waiting to happen is because you have to make your teammates better, theoretically, if you're a good point guard. Um, And quickly because it's not a position he's played a lot over the last several years. Um, and he just isn't, doesn't have the physical abilities that some other guys have. That's a little bit tougher for him. Do I think he could get there? Yeah. I think he could get there. That's why I want to invest more time and and energy in him. I think, you know, at this, I keep going back and forth on this. Who's the highest ceiling prospect on the team? I don't know. I really do think it might be quickly. Ask me next week, but I think it probably might be quickly.
2: If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and The Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami,
1: Anthony though rough night, got to hang close to 500, get healthy, make a smaller deal to give us a boost. Injury disruption is an underrated part of our struggles. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and uh, again, I, to back to the Tibbs grade. Um, you know, he pulled the plug on Walker after 20 games. We all agreed with it. There was logic to it. The numbers said he should have done it. You know, I just—that was such an abrupt change, and it didn't work. And I still don't like. We're we're thirty nine games in, right? Or no, sorry, we're forty games in. We're forty games into the season. And like Fournier said this the other night. Now, Fournier, I'm not sure if he's the best guy to talk. I I think I, I you could still put. Fournier is the number 1 goat. Not not goat grace of all time, like goat bad goat, like grass eating goat of this season and I wouldn't have an issue with it. But I still think it's interest- I I still take I still heed his words from post game the other night where he was like, you know, we don't know what we're going to be from night to night. We don't know what the kind of what the plan is. And again, this is something that Obi said a week or so earlier, the read and react thing. Um you know, it's creating matchup advantages. Make the right read and react. Um, but that's that 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 has caused them to live in this kind of in-between place where it's like, okay, it's Julius' team, but also sometimes it has to be Kemba's team. It's just the whole hasn't come together and like that 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 pulling that plug 20 games in, I just wonder, like now we're now 40 games in. And we're still no closer to figuring out, like, what is our, what is our identity on offense? Um, I don't think they really know. And that's a, that's a problem. Uh, Hush Zoo. Rob Williams is worth every penny of his contract. you goddamn right. And by the way, it's a fair contract. It's not an overpay. It's not an underpay. Um, Mitch is not near his level. Not going to disagree. Not going to disagree one bit. Um, actually, I'll say this. Mitch is like. It's not that he's not near his level. When Mitch is going really well, Mitch is at Rob Williams' level. Um. But Mitch isn't. Go, Mitch does not go well as well as much as Robert Williams. He's not as consistent. Um. And the other part of it is when when Mitch is bad and when Mitch isn't fully engaged, it really – it so sullies everything they try to do on the court. Um, we know Randall is staying. Do you see the front office parting with RJ and trying to bring in someone like Fox or do a shakeup? I don't think they're going to do anything um, – I don't think they're going to do anything crazy this – before this trade deadline. I think – I think there's a chance that they do something this summer. I, I, this summer fascinates me a lot because, you know, I mean, I think there's going to be movement, and I think the Knicks – I don't know. I, I, think the, I think everything Leon Rose has done since the day he came here has been about – like, that's why, like, people quibble over this move and that move. Like, they, not that Leon doesn't give a shit about – about any of this because all of this is important towards setting up the next step. But to me, it's always been about the next step. I think that's why he brought in Tibbs. I think this was always about get the Knicks to look as good as they could possibly be in the short term. And then when the time comes to make a move, they'll make a move. Now who that move involves, does it move does it involve RJ? I I've I wrote it in my newsletter this week. I said if you give me a if you give me a do- a dollar to bet, I bet that quickly is going to be the guy who breaks the Charlie Ward curse, not RJ Barrett. I don't know. A lot of people are going to be mad that I said that, but that's my, that's my gut feeling. Um, I could be wrong. I don't think they're going to like make it a point to ship RJ out of here, but I do think, you know, I think if his, I mean, I just, he needs to play better to get his value up. Because if his value is what it is right now, like they're not going to trade him because he's not a great asset at the moment, or at least the asset that a number three pick should be. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Robert Cross, what's going on? I love Robert. So the hashtag 53 wins, again, he's made jokes about it, that this is over the course of, like, two seasons. But so that means if they lose 29 games, um, that's it. Well, they 53 and 29 would be the record. So when they lose their 30th game, so they are now – Nine games away from 30 losses. So, Robert, get all those hashtag 53 wins in while you can, buddy. Um, I, feel, I feel like your days are numbered. Uh, I'm happy about this game because of two constants. IQ, he should run as a starting point card for the rest of the year. Um, let's see what we have. Um, oh, two consonants. Two consonants. I and Q. I got it. Um, wow. Andrew Claudio just texted me. IQ is one consonant and one vowel. He's got you there, Robert. I'm not gonna lie. Um, IQ makes me happier than any other player on this team. And I'm honestly not sure it's close. He's my favorite Nick at this point. Uh, All due respect to Taj. Uh, I love Emmanuel quickly. He is, of everybody who's on this team right now, the only player that I really truly care about being here for the next decade plus, Is Emmanuel quickly, Um, and you know what? I bet if the if the front office you gave them truth serum, I bet some of them would say the same thing. That dude, he's a winner. Uh, Kenny Rose, this is a game with a lack of Rose Walker and Fournier. Hurt. My thoughts exactly. Burks looked tired. Yeah, Burks might be getting tired. You know, Um, that's a that's a fair comment. And again, I'm I'll never kill Alec Burks because Alec Burks does other things to help you win games. I, I didn't shout him out after the last game because he just shot it so horribly, but he did a lot to help them win that game, even though he couldn't hit the far side of a barn, but he's struggling shooting now. He's kind of reverting back to, you know, career norms. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, back to Kenny loved IQ's game. Another first round pick Obi, wasted because of Randall. Ah, that's, that's a bit much. I don't think they've wasted Obi. And I think if they wanted to get good value for Obi right now in a trade, I think they could, um, you know, Willzo be the right pick? Yeah, We'll we'll see. Um, Kevin Danishevsky, what's going on, Kev? I just want to say how disappointed I am in Mitch. Robert Williams is what we want him to be. I'm not ready to say quick over Kemba, um, but he should play with Randall. Um, yeah, I. It's I, like, you know, it's so hard to have any conversations with this team about who should play with who because Randall has been bad regardless of who he's played with. He just needs to be better. Again, hope I don't offend the man. Hope I don't get the, hope I don't get the thumbs down because I said that. God forbid. What was his line tonight? Six for 19. One of eight from deep. And what did he have? Six turnovers? Uh, Some of which were uh, not what you want. Uh, Yeah, six turnovers. Anyway. Um, Okay. Uh, Prayers up for David Smith. Uh, I missed what in the chat that's referring to, but uh, yeah, prayers up for David Smith. Um, Okay. Dean... Ah, oh, Dean Bushel, thank you so much for the contribution, my man. Appreciate it. Uh sorry, I'm just catching up. I uh hold on one sec. I'm just getting Oh, he has COVID. Okay, get better there. Um and uh yeah. He oh, he's the guy who uses all caps. Love you, my man. Uh I may have missed a super chat if I did. Andrew, catch me up. Andrew Chen. Chen, excuse me, Andrew Chen. As fun as last year was, would the team be better off tanking and now having a Mobley, Cade, Barnes, Green to go with RJ OBIQ? Also, cleaner cap, no Randall. Oh, that's a great what if. It's a great what if. Um, I mean, if you're telling me they definitely would have gotten one of those guys, would the team be better off with a Mobley, a Cade, a Barnes, or a Jalen Green? I don't. I don't know about Jalen Green. I know. I I, uh, I know he's young and whatever and he's talented maybe he he turns it on like anthony edwards in the second half of the season we'll see um but that's the danger of tanking like the rockets picked green second now maybe green turns it around but like what if he doesn't what if he's just you know a gunner who never turns it around yeah you might get evan mobley you might get Scotty Barnes, you might get Kate Cunningham, although we still have to see about Cade. he's probably going to be great, but I can't say that for sure. Those other two guys, Mobley and Barnes. You know, but even even Scotty Barnes, Scotty Barnes is like he's Draymond Green. He's the per he is the best glue guy in the league. He's the best connector in the league. He's the best like auxiliary player in the league. The guy's going to make a lot of all-star teams. Guy he's going to be awesome. But like if you stuck him on this team, what impact would he would he turn their fortunes around single handedly? Like you still got to build around that. Now would they be in a better position if they had Scotty Barnes? Oh, Scotty Barnes is more valuable than any two players on this team. Any three players on this team, um, Evan Mobley more valuable than their entire roster. Um, so I think it's a fair question, but you know, basketball is funny sometimes. I still think the way they went last year, I, I'm not going to say that they would have been better off because I want to see what the front office does the next few years. Um, Jason M. The way Tibbs has handled Obi is developmental malpractice and a failure of this front office. They need to trade him ASAP before they ruin his career. Look, you're going to, um, you're going to have a lot of opinions like this. Um, I don't know what you want Tibbs to do. Um, again, run more pick and rolls, I guess. Okay. If, if, if not running more pick and rolls for Obi top and his developmental malpractice, then, you know, I, I don't know. I think Tibbs brings a lot to the table that we probably don't appreciate right now. Um, cause the team is not very good, but tonight is probably not the night to defend Tibbs. His team just lost by 24 points. Um, Tibbs on quickly, um, I thought he played really well the first half. He had us organized. He had really good looks. So it was a good start for him. I want him to take more control in the second half, and I think he will. He's done a good job for us. Yeah, no disagreement there. That's the other part of it, too. It's like, you know, I feel like we always, we did this with Frank. We did this with RJ. We still do this with RJ. We do this with Obi, where it's like, and I get it's different for, for guards than it is for wings and especially bigs. But like, you know, at a certain time you gotta take control. Um, which is what Tibbs is saying here with quickly in the second half. He he deferred a little bit more in the second half. I know. Um I don't know. Uh Brian Benjamin, uh, I'm having second thoughts on Tibbs as a coach. OB is a talent and when given time he's shown he could do things. Well uh, that's not really true. <laughs> he's showing he can run really fast and jump really high. And he's a menace on the fast break and he's a menace ducking in from the corners. And those are all things that an engaged defense can stop. He is not, I'm going to be very clear about this. I, I mean, if anybody feels differently, let me know. Obi Toppin is not an advantage creator. He cannot create advantages. He cannot, he does not draw doubles. And there's no need for teams to double him because we've seen him occasionally try to go one-on-one with post-ups and whatnot. Some of the time it looks pretty good. Some of the time it doesn't look pretty good. Um, tonight he had a couple of occasions where it didn't look pretty good. You know, he gets called for a travel once every other game, if not more, when he's trying to go into a move. Um, you know, he he got blocked on a fast break tonight. He had another moment where I think he tried to do something down low and it didn't end very well. I mean, like, that's not his, that's not his game. That wasn't really his game at Dayton. You know, when he was playing against the Richmonds and Fordhams of the world. Like, Obi Topping could be an incredibly useful impact player in the NBA, but I think he needs a certain type of situation. I think he needs to play with very high-level guards, multiple high-level guards. I think he needs to play with a stretch five. Um, and I think he needs to play with a team that runs the shit out of the ball relentlessly. That's not this next team. Um, so... You know, the notion that like Obi is this special talent that's being wasted away, it's it's not Kobe Bryant sitting there on the bench. Um he's a nice player. I I love Obi Toppin. I'm excited for Obi Toppin. I think he's gonna be I think he's gonna be really good. Um and I don't wanna trade him. But I I like (laughs) it's the NBA. If you're good, you're you're good. It's unmistakable. Um, you create havoc when you're out there. Like, Emmanuel Quickly, to me, is has been more impressive than Obi Toppin because Emmanuel Quickly makes shit happen. He could do that. You know, um, it's harder for Obi. Um, I don't know. It's probably an unpopular opinion, but that's I'll die on that hill. Uh, anyway, but keeping a pick-and-roll player in the corner on your offense is, is ludicrous. I mean... <laughs> They need him to be able to hit corner threes. Not not they. Any and any any, um, um, any NBA player uh, who's plays now and isn't a center. Um, <laughs> I know I saw that ludicrous with a capital L. Uh, any NBA player has to be able to hit corner threes. Otherwise, you're 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 not going to be very good. Um, and also, again, his so many great moments for Obi this year has come have come ducking in from the corner. Um, but teams guard against that. Just like if you put him in pick and roll, and this notion that if you put him in pick and roll, it is just gonna like it's gonna rain rain buckets. That's not, you know, that's not gonna be the case. Um, I think there's a better chance of it if you play him with a high level point guard who can make those types of plays, which is again why I would advocate at least giving some consideration to playing Kemba Walker off the bench. With Taj Gibson, by the way. Because Taj Gibson isn't a real corner three threat, but if you put Taj Gibson ten or twelve feet out, your center at least has to honor that. So if you have Taj in the game and he's ten or twelve feet or fourteen feet from the basket, or in the corner where he's, he's actually hit a few corner threes, and then you run it with a, a Obi pick and rolls with a real point guard like Kemba or Derek Rose, I think the results are going to be much better. Um, we'll see if Tibbs does that when when those guys are those guys are back. Um what else we got here? We got a couple more and then we'll we'll get out of here. Oh, unbelievable. I always managed to talk for, for 40 minutes after these things. Uh hold on. Uh let's see here. I think I only got uh, Andrew if I if oh here we go. Um quickly is our top prospect. This is from uh Jeremy E. I want to make sure I didn't miss anything. Yeah. Andrew, if I missed something, let me know. Uh Jeremy E, quickly is our top prospect shooting under 39% from the field. I know this season's rough and it's easy to get caught in the moment, but that's a stretch. Eh, It's a stretch I'm going with. (laughs) Here's the thing. I I don't know. I know quickly hasn't had a great shooting season. He's probably at what? 34, 35% from three 30 or whereabouts. Um, I have no doubt that that guy's going to be a great NBA shooter, not a good NBA shooter. I have no doubt that he's going to be a great NBA shooter. Especially since, if you look at the types of threes he takes, his off the dribble threes are actually better than his catch and shoot threes. I have all the confidence in the world. He's gonna be. He's gonna figure out how to be proficient on catch and shoot threes. I mean, that's a really small sample size. You're basing that off of. In terms of the over overall field goal percentage, he takes so many threes. That's why that's a guy that you can't look at his field goal percentage. His field. It's like Emmanuel Quigley's field goal percentage is as meaningless as as any guy who shoots predominantly from three point range. Um, look at his effective field goal percentage. Um, which again, I acknowledge, it's not great. But again, like I know Emmanuel Quickly can contribute to winning basketball in multiple ways. I know he could do it on defense, I know he could do it off the ball, I know he could do it on the ball, all that shit. RJ Barrett, I am I am I am done I am done right here. I'm like here's Mr. Crow, right? Here's RJ the Crow. Like that dude was sitting on my fucking shelf for two months. I would have loved to bring him out. But, like, how am I supposed to call a guy our best prospect who has, again, we've played 40 games. R.J. Barrett has had 10 good games. Emmanuel Quickly may not have shot well that, this season. But through, out of 40 games, I know I could say Emmanuel Quickly has had, I, I would consider personally, at least 75% of the time he's had good games. Games that help impact winning in a significant way. I can't say the same thing about RJ Barrett. Not close. So I'll I will respectfully disagree with with that comment. There's a lot more. There's a lot more to a player than field goal percentage. And oh by the way, what's RJ Barrett's field goal percentage? A <laughs> guy who takes half fucking sixty percent of his shots at the rim or whatever it is. Um, Brian Benjamin, i uh, counter to my last point. I'll counter by saying if your coach is willing to pull you after one mistake while anyone else makes 10, I think it causes him to second guess. Yeah, our, Tibbs is hard on Obi. That's, that's 100% fair. Um, and he's hard on Obi because Obi isn't as good a player as Randall. And he's not as hard on the guy who's the better player. Should he be? That's a fair question. Should Tibbs be harder on Julius Randle is the absolute number one fair question to criticize Tibbs on this season. At the same time, at the same time, I will ask you how many coaches get away with being hard on their star player when the star player is not someone like Tim Duncan or... Dirk Nowitzki, or, I mean, you can name the amount of stars, true stars, on one hand, over the last 20 years in the league, who, when they're playing badly, they will allow their coach to truly act as if the same way with them as they do with the 15th guy on the roster. Those guys are legendary exceptions. And... I'm not saying, let me let me be very clear about this. Kevin Durant, he, like, I'm sure his coach coaches can't get hard with him. But guess what? You don't need to get hard with Kevin Durant because he's Kevin fucking Durant. (laughs) And 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 with with Julius, it's different because Tibbs is stuck between this rock and this hard place, where Julius is clearly his best advantage creator. He's clearly his best player. He's playing like absolute dog shit, and he is not the type of guy who is going to take kindly to his head coach really riding him. And how do I know that? Because I literally have watched the man, Julius Randle, have a mental fucking breakdown live on the court in a game two nights ago when he started cursing at the people who are paying money to see him play. He is a fucking nutcase. And you want the coach to be hard on him? I mean – you know, I know I'm pushing back on what I just said two minutes ago, but like that's the counterpoint, right? That's the counterpoint. You want Tibbs to start fucking around with this guy's head? This Looney Tune? He can't put his fucking shoes on the right way. That's right now. Um, <laughs> Julius Randall. I don't know if being harder on him is the way to go, but what do I know? I'm I'm just sitting here talking to a computer screen. Anyway, um, Kevin Danishevsky. Uh, I just want to focus on Mitch for a second. How do you not do better on a contract year? Yeah, that's a fair question. Um, hot take: His underperformance is up there as to why we suck right now. Yeah, I mean, if Mitch was the Mitch, if Mitch was the best version of Mitch every game, that I think would have us winning three or four or five more games for sure. Um, because you know, there were there were people who thought the Knicks were crazy for not extending him a contract and that he was you know if you if you go to some of those analytics articles over the summer, they would have told you that Mitch was like a twenty million dollar a year guy um and yet there and there actually are still advanced stats out there that paint him as like their most effective player, but the eye test reveals uh um, the eye test reveals something differently different um okay, I think that's it. I appreciate everybody uh sorry for uh yelling occasionally but um uh you know. I get I get passionate and fired up about this stuff. What can I do? Uh, everybody, uh, have a good uh, rest of your weekend. Enjoy the rest of your night. And uh, I will talk to you all after the next game, which I believe is on Monday. Does that sound right? Next, next game is on Monday. Uh, and, yeah, me and Jeremy will have our usual pod drop on Monday, uh, which we, of course, will have a lot to talk about, as we always do. But until then, take care, and we will talk to you soon. Peace out.